0: Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express News Show. In this episode, we talk about India supplying vaccines to its neighboring countries. We also take a quick look at India's historic win at the test series in Australia. But first, we talk about the Tejas fighter aircrafts. Last week, the Cabinet Committee on Security cleared the acquisition of 83 Tejas light combat aircrafts for the Indian Air Force. The deal is worth nearly 48,000 crore rupees. Plus, these 83 aircrafts will be indigenously designed and manufactured. In this segment, we talk to Krishan Kaushik, who reports on Defence for the Indian Express about what this deal means for the Indian Air Force and for Hindustan Aeronautics Limited that will manufacture these aircrafts. Krishnan, before we talk about anything else, could you first talk about exactly what is the significance of India acquiring these 83 Tejas fighter aircrafts? Okay,
1: so these fighter aircraft, these 83 of them are meant for the Air Force. While a Tejas naval version is also being developed and designed and uh, manufactured it's various, it's in various different phases actually, these 83 are for the uh, Indian Air Force. And these 83 will come on top of the 40 Tejas aircraft that Air Force has already ordered earlier, but these are different variants, of course. Now, the significance is that it is a big boost for any nation to have an indigenously designed and developed fighter aircraft. Not a lot of countries are able to do that. And the uh, best part about that is when you have an indigenously designed and developed aircraft, which is manufactured within the country as well, any improvements that the Air Force or the Navy or any other force that may require later, it can be done in-house. So it adds to the capability. That, you know, uh, whatever requirements are needed for the future, uh, it it can be a continuous process. And you don't have to rely on an international player developing their own aircraft and for you to procure them, which is anyhow quite a long-drawn
0: process. And this is not a new project, right? It has been there for some time now? This uh, project has been uh, more than 30 years in the making, actually.
1: It was actually started off in August 1983 when government approved the LCA, which is the Light Combat Aircraft Project the initial funding of I-60 crores. It was meant to replace the MiG-21s, which were aging already. In January 2001 is when the first prototype of Tejas flew. Then after like more than 12 years, in December 2013, the single-engine Tejas finally got what was called the initial operational clearance. So these are all milestones that, you know, okay, uh, at least let's you know, freeze this particular model. Uh, Force said we'll uh, buy 20 of these then we can make more improvements, then we'll buy more. So, the December 2013 was the initial operational clearance model, which is called the IOC. Jan 2015, IAF caught the first jet, which was the IOC model. Then in July 2016, IAF raised its first squadron, called the Flying Daggers in Sulu, with two of these jets, the IOC model. In February 2019, uh, Tejas caught the final operational clearance. So, first, Air Force ordered 20 of the IOC models. Then in 2019, when Tejas got the FOC clearance, then the Air Force bought or at least ordered 20 of those FOC-modeled Tejas as well. May 2020, Air Force raised the second squadron also at Sulu called the Flying Bullets of Tejas. And Jan 2021, till then, only about 20 of these jets have been delivered. So the first FOC uh, aircraft was delivered to Air Force in May 2020. And now these 83 they include 73 of the Mark 1A variant, which is an improvement even over the FOC variant, and uh, 10 of the Mark 1 variant, which will be used as trainer aircraft.
0: And you know the fact that these are indigenously designed aircrafts has been highlighted a lot. PM Modi also said that this will further give boost to the movement of a self-reliant India. So. Could you talk a bit about the kind of significance it has for the Indian company Hindustan Aeronautics Limited that will be manufacturing it?
1: So uh, definitely, I mean it's a big, big order. The order for eighty-three aircraft is about forty-seven thousand crore rupees. The total cost of the project till now is seventy-two thousand, almost seventy-three thousand crore rupees till now. So till now there have been prototypes of the Mark One A variant. Now that Indian Air Force has given an order for seventy-three of the Mark One A variant, Trail can start production. So once they have a promise, an order is there, they can put more money into it. And once the company starts building more aircraft, they can learn along the way, which means the project has kicked off now. It will help in the future to tweak any problems that the Air Force might feel. They can go back to HL and HAL can, of course, then build on its own capability of manufacturing a good fighter jet. In the future, if the successful for the Indian Air Force, there's always the potential of exporting it as well. But this will create a landmark moment for HAL because it gives them an opportunity
0: to come to the big stage finally. And I think in the past, they had expressed their annoyance when India had acquired the Rafale aircrafts, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, there has been continuous uh, back and forth between the government, uh, HAL and Air Force. Because one of the problems that the Air Force has felt in now is the delivery schedule. Some officers we have spoken to within the Air Force right now They're not certain if these 83 will also be delivered within time. I mean, there's no schedule that is, you know, played out yet because the schedule will be part of the contract. A contract is expected to be signed on the sidelines of Aero India show, which is in the first week of February in Bangalore. Uh, That will lay down the delivery schedule. But from what we understand, the first aircraft is expected to be delivered in three years after deal is signed. And the last one is to be delivered by around end of 2028. But Air Force is not very confident if HAL will manage to meet the delivery schedule. They were supposed to give a certain number of FOC variants last year. They have not delivered those as well. So delivery has always been a problem. Now HAL has said they are ramping up the capability. They can uh, manufacture more jets than they could earlier. So everybody is hopeful that they might be able to do it. But this annoyance that HAL had expressed, it was actually mutual because certain things were not lining up. And there was some, uh, let's say, a trust deficit between the forces and the capacity that they thought HAL had and what HAL thought it had. So there was a gap between that, which is why earlier there wasn't a successful order given
0: to HAL. And also from what we understand, India's Air Force program, it has been struggling to meet its capabilities to upgrade. There have been production delays. Could you talk a bit about those struggles and how acquiring these 83 aircrafts will change that?
1: Definitely. So, one thing to understand is that one squadron of Air Force usually has 16 to 18 aircraft. 16 is the actual number. You have two for reserves or training or whatever the purposes you might require them for. So, these 83, 73 plus 10 Tejas uh, aircraft, they will comprise four new squadrons for the Indian Air Force. Now, Indian Air Force is already well below the authorized squadron strength that they should have. They are authorized to have 42 squadrons. At the moment, they have about 30 squadrons. But with the MiG-21s and some other you know, aircraft aging and being uh, phased out, and uh, India has recently bought off some of them, which have already been delivered, 36 Rafale fighter jets, by 2023, India will only have 29 squadrons, which is well below 42. And actually, Force has in the past mentioned they would ideally want 45 squadrons, keeping in mind the two front power with China and Pakistan. Now, after 2023, the first of these uh, stages is expected to be delivered in 2024. The last of it is expected to be delivered in 2028. So this will plug in some critical gap for the squadron strength. But around this time, there might be more aircraft that will be uh, phased out because of aging and everything. So Air Force will have to work harder, which is why they are in the process of floating a request for proposal for 114 international fighter jets. We are not sure when that, that is going to happen. That will again be a long-term process, as it was for Rafal, but that will also be critical. Beyond that, India also wants to buy a particular number of Mark 2 variant of stages on the design table. So, well, the Mark 1A is actually an upgrade over Mark 1. The four upgrades include uh, air-to-air refueling capability, advanced electronic warfare suite, a better radar system, and beyond-visual range air-to-air missiles. So, this is the improvement of 1A over Mark 1. Now, there's a Mark II, which will be a totally different aircraft, which is still being designed, though. So, Air Force has also mentioned, has shown interest that they will also give an order for Mark II whenever it's ready. So, through these uh, particular steps, Air Force intends to plug in and reach their uh, ideal 42 squadron strength over the next decade or so.
0: Dear listeners, sorry for this interruption, but before we move on to the rest of the show, I just wanted your quick attention. One of the big reasons people say they like this show is because it helps them understand the news better. It provides them with the context they need to see the bigger picture. And there is perhaps no other place that does that better than Indian Express's explained section. We on three things refer to the section regularly and it helps us make this show. If you're a regular reader of Indian Express, you know how useful the explained section can be, especially when you're looking for in-depth analysis by the right experts. You can log on to indianexpress.com explained and access the coverage 24-7. Explained by Indian Express, where news that matters is explained by experts who know the subject. Now, back to the show. And next, we talk about vaccine diplomacy. For the past four days, India's COVID-19 vaccination drive has been going on, in which it is said to inoculate three crore health and frontline workers. But even as this drive continues, India is also set to supply vaccine doses to a number of its neighboring countries. Plus, Indian Express has learned that Pakistan too has expressed an interest in getting vaccine doses from India. In this segment, we speak to Shubhaji Roy, Indian Express's associate editor, who reports on matters of foreign affairs about India's plan to supply vaccines to other countries. Uh- Shubhajit, we understand that India is planning to supply vaccine doses to a number of neighboring countries. What do we know about which countries are these and the details of this plan?
2: Yeah, uh, Shushank, so, uh, you know, you rightly pointed out, you know, the government had received several requests for the supply of, uh, you know, Indian manufactured vaccines from many of the neighboring as well as uh, Key partner countries. Now, in response to these requests, government has now decided to supply these vaccines to some of these countries. So, from Wednesday onward, that is on twentieth of January onwards, countries which will get the vaccines are Bhutan, Maldives, Bangladesh, Nepal, Myanmar, and Seychelles. When it comes to the others in the neighborhood, that is Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, and Mauritius, the Indian government is still awaiting the confirmation of, you know, regulatory approvals from these countries. So once they come, so after that, these countries will also be supplied the vaccines. Now, you know, as you would remember that India had sort of started the cooperation or to deal with COVID pandemic back in March last year itself when, uh, you know, there were these leaders of SARC, there was a video conference which was held. And after that, India supplied PPE kits, masks, gloves, also hydroxychloroquine, paracetamol, tablets, etc. And so uh, this is actually the next step in which the government has now decided To supply these vaccines. The Indian government also is calling it under the brand of uh, vaccine which is vaccine friendship or in a way you can call it vaccine diplomacy. So that is what is happening from uh, 20th of January
0: onwards. Right and do we know about which vaccine India is planning to supply? Is it going to be the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine or the Bharat Biotech one?
2: Well, it will be both. I mean, India is, in that sense, agnostic towards which vaccine it supplies. Obviously, currently both have got approval in India, and people are being vaccinated with both the vaccines. As far as Bangladesh, we know it is Oxford, AstraZeneca, which is being supplied about uh, 20 lakh doses. And uh, for others, it will depend on the quantity that is the requirement. The Indian government obviously is saying that it will supply to countries all over the world. And it is this particular list is not restrictive right now. It's not limited to just to these countries that I mm, just named. Uh, and it will be calibrated against the domestic requirements, you know, and international demand and obligations. That is you know, where it stands. So, India will basically, the government will balance between the domestic needs as well as uh, the
0: international demand. And the other thing we know, and you broke the story, is that Pakistan has also expressed interest in procuring vaccine doses from India. So what do we know about how exactly that is going to pan out?
2: See, uh, Pakistan is part of this global Alliance for Vaccines, which is called COVAX Facility, which is essentially a conglomerate or an alliance, you may call it, of uh, WHO, Gavi, another another vaccine alliance, and uh, uh, some other groups. So this alliance will make sure that whatever vaccine comes, they will supply to all the 190 countries, which are the UN member countries at the, the United Nations, they will all get vaccines for their population. At least for 20% of the population, it will it will be free of cost. Now, that is the understanding. So Serum Institute has to give vaccines to that alliance through which Pakistan will get. So Pakistan is exploring two routes. First is obviously through this global alliance of vaccines. And the second option is through the bilateral route. With India, now as you know, after the February two thousand nineteen Pulwama terror attack, the trade relations really suffered uh, adversely. And in August two thousand nineteen, after the decision on Jammu and Kashmir when Article three seventy was revoked and special status of Jammu and Kashmir was withdrawn, India and Pakistan's uh, relationship really suffered, nosedived, and the trade relations ties were snapped. But there are some exemptions and uh, life-saving drugs is exempt from the trade ban or sort of stopping of trade between India and Pakistan bilaterally. Now, through that route, if Pakistan requests and then India would, I mean, consider it supplying the, the Serum Institute will uh, or the Bharat Biotech ICMR, they would uh, consider in supplying the Vaccines to Pakistan directly through the bilateral route.
0: Now, besides these two routes, Shubhajeet says that the other option with Pakistan is to procure the vaccine through a third country,
2: say through UAE or through, through some other country. The Pakistani authorities can procure the vaccines, Indian vaccines, but that would obviously push up the cost. But in any case, Indian the, the two Indian vaccines are. Very, very inexpensive as compared to the other vaccines which are available in the market. Which is, if you go by the two other major vaccines, which is the Moderna or the Pfizer, they're much higher at cost as well as they need sort of much lower temperature, sub zero temperature, and up to minus 70 degrees Celsius, which is sort of very difficult to maintain in a tropical climate like in India. So, Indian vaccines have the edge
0: over the Western vaccines. And you mentioned that this is being called as vaccine diplomacy, right? So do we have any precedent to judge whether this could potentially help ease tension between two countries, say, between India and Pakistan?
2: You see, um, vaccine diplomacy is a new thing and the pandemic as it has, has sort of really uh, damaged each country's economy, every country's systems, and normal life. So it has disrupted everything. So it may ease of some tension if it works, and that could be one of the fallouts of India or the made-in-India vaccines to other countries. Uh, you know, these vaccines also sort of If you really look at the Indian government's sort of approach or strategy, it has portrayed itself and the Made in India vaccines as something which is inexpensive, which is easy to store, and it is effective. It has a 90% efficacy. So for the developing world, for the developing countries, for the underdeveloped world, for countries mostly in Asia and and Africa and Latin America, um, these vaccines are available for $3 a dose. So about 200 rupees uh, for the Covishield, the Serum Institute, uh, Oxford Astra- AstraZeneca vaccine, and 206 rupees for the Bharat Biotech ICMR vaccine. So if you really see these uh, two vaccines are very uh, important alternative and really hold that kind of game changer cure uh, and uh, prevention for the people of the global south. So that is how India is hoping to sort of supply vaccines to the global south and to help in its diplomacy. So in that context, supplying vaccines to Pakistan could help in sort of easing the tension between the two
0: countries. And in the end, we talk about cricket. India yesterday pulled off a historic win by defeating Australia by three wickets in the fourth and final test at the Brisbane Cricket Ground, commonly known as GABA. The result meant that India won the series 2-1 and also retained the Border Gavaskar Trophy. This was also Australia's first loss at GABA in 33 years. The man of the hour was Rishabh Pant, whose unbeaten 89-run knock helped India realise the dream of an outright series win. Pant yesterday also surpassed Mahinder Singh Dhoni to become the fastest Indian wicketkeeper-batsman to reach the 1,000-run mark in Test cricket. India head coach Ravi Shastri described the Test series victory over Australia as unreal and said that this was the toughest tour for him yet. Shastri also said that the cricket world would not forget India's performance for a long time to come. You are listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and as always, was edited and mixed by our producer, Joshua Thomas. If you like this show, then you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it, share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Audio and write to us at podcast at